And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. Well, hello to everyone. It is the Weighing In Podcast. My man, Josh Thompson, and I have made our ways back from Los Angeles, California, and Bellator 290 to our incredible studios where we get to do this the right way. I cannot wait to talk about some of the stuff we're going to talk about. All kinds of things going on. There was the UFC Fight Night Vegas. We'll talk about a couple of those fights because really... And then we got to talk about... Bellator, oh. we're going to talk about all that. We got Conor McGregor and Michael Chandler being coaches. Ooh, how exciting. My man, you are looking like a sniper. Oh, yeah. Look at those glasses. Um, You're almost Steven Seagal-like. You know, we were friends until you just said that comment right there. <laughs> brother, brother. I love it. We don't go that low. I mean, come on. Dude, if they are yellow tinted, man, you are uh, fucking Steven's baby. You do know brother. I can really fight, though, right? <laughs> yeah. Just want to make sure. I, I, do, I, do, I do know there's a, I do know there's yeah, a difference yeah, there. Yeah. I'm a little <laughs> offended right now. Well, you you should be. Speaking of people, right, that um that have that aura like that about them. We I met Jean Claude Van Damme this weekend, you know, and and there's yeah. look, I don't like what a great guy. What a fantastic human being. What a what a special you individual. You want me to kick you in the dick right now? <laughs> hey, John, just real quick, before he continues there, can you just come down a notch in that microphone? I know we did a bunch of tests yeah, before. Yeah, absolutely, man. Let me your, crank this sucker down just a little bit. Your energy just came out of nowhere and took me off guard. You know, that's the way <laughs> I do excited, it. Baby. How's that, yeah. better? Yeah, thank you. All right, let's go. I just, <laughs> you know, there's been a handful of people that I've met across, you know, all around the world. And I got to be yeah. honest, almost every actor, I think almost every um, athlete I've ever met were extremely nice, extremely nice, like over the top, sometimes yeah. nice, almost like, okay, this is a little weird. Kind of that's how nice they've been. Oh, yeah. And uh, I've done charity events with people, uh, but there's been three people. It was two yesterday, but there's been three. Well, you just had a whole Oh, well, I've are we yeah, adding, gotta add, I, are we adding to the Thompson yeah, list? Add, I've got to add one because I. Off the top of my head, I was like, you know, but he was, he was on my, he played for my, my Kansas City Chiefs. Cause I met Marcus Allen. I was a huge fan of Marcus Allen because he played for the Chiefs. I met him. He was a little bit of a douche. A little bit of a douche, man. I was actually, I was kind of like heartbroken. I'm like, man, you're such a good fucking, and there was, and I don't want to tell you why, but he just, uh, he had a thing about him. He just was very, very douchey. Um, Okay. Then Barry Bonds, he legitimately tried to charge some child oh. fucking forty dollars for a fucking autograph and just kind of walked. Well, yeah, I thought okay. that was ex- I can I can I can I can give you stories about me and Barry Bonds. It's it, so special it really stories at weddings. Well, we were at we were at like a charity event and this dude legitimately asked a kid for forty bucks for an autograph. Yeah, you got forty bucks. And I thought he was joking. And no, no, they just walked away from the kid. I was like, wow, I'd heard of this stuff happening. I'd never seen it happening though. I'd never seen it happen. I saw it happen. I was like, wow. And then last night was Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> and I have. So hold it. So what you're saying is that JCVD mm-hmm. has made the Josh Thompson mm-hmm. top three yeah. douchebag award list. Yeah. There's a lot of fun. I've met a lot, a lot of professional athletes. and I've met a lot of actors and actresses. So and it was it was the strangest thing to me, John. 
I walked up and I saw him. You know, we were chatting with some other people, and I reached across. And I go, "Hey, man, I go, would you? I go, let's get a picture with you and you get a chance." Didn't say one word. He just grabbed my phone out of my hand, and he couldn't figure out how to use this. Just big just brother. Figure you. out how to use the settings. So whoever just was with him, his assistant you, or somebody, like got it on portrait and reversed the camera and all this stuff. And then he takes the picture and handed it back to me. So weird. Didn't say anything. Didn't say one word. Didn't say hi. Didn't say sure. Didn't say anything. Just a very strange, strange. Didn't smile either. It was a very awkward situation. And I was like, Meh. all right, you're one of those guys. I get it. You're one of those guys. Now, I've, I've met Steven Seagal. See, hold it. What you should have mm-hmm. done. Oh, I know. I know Steven Barrow. What you should have done is you should have looked at him, taken the picture, looked at him, and gone, erase. Uh, so weird to me, man. I'm like, I, I think I think a lot of like a lot of people forget, especially the ones that are like that. They forget that your grave is still six feet deep, just like my motherfucker. Like that's oh, the thing. Yeah. We still put our pants on one leg your at a time. Still, yeah, your shit still your stinks. Shit smells yeah, the it same, all stinks. Man. It all stinks. Still stinks. It just was a very that's weird it. situation, <clears throat> you know. Um. My dad was a big fan of Jean-Claude Van Damme and Steven Seagal. My dad used to love and eat up those movies, man. He loved them. Oh, really? And uh, so meeting after all these years of have met Steven Seagal, you know, meeting uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme last night. And I had seen him before in an event. I think it was a UFC event a long time ago. I had met him before there, but just in passing. And I never really like to get pictures with people. I don't want to bother him. Um, I was like, you know what? He was there. He was sitting front row at the event. I was walking past, and we were in a group of people talking. I was talking with Chuck. I was talking with Dan, and he was there, and so we were all kind of chatting. And I was like, you know, I just asked him real quick. Anyways, but he's made my list, man. But I will tell you this. I want to end this on the positive note. The positive, the positive note is not about him or not about anything. It was <clears throat> Dean, the hands down, three of the nicest people I've ever met, though. Three of them. Marshall Falk being probably number one. Hands Marshall down, Fox, super nice. That guy. guy, I've done several chair. Used to live, actually, used to live near me. Really, you must have. You must be balling, bro. You must be balling. No, nah, I wasn't balling. He, I was living in the old section. He, he went to the new section, <laughs> yeah. and uh, yeah, my, my son actually used to deliver. My, my son worked mm-hmm. at this Italian restaurant, and Marshall Fox mm-hmm. always uh, ordered food from there, and my son delivered it to him. And he, Marshall Fox was always. He was super though. nice. I've done three maybe four golf charity events with him and every single time at the end you have you have like a banquet at the end and he will go from table to table and take indivisible picture pictures with every single person and then he'll take a group photo if they want a picture he just says hey i'm here i just want to let you guys know i want to say hi he's done that at every wasn't like just the one time where they maybe paid him a lot of money to come no 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 he does it at every single event that i've ever been around and he will sit and talk to you he will sit and share stories with you he takes his time with every single person. Doesn't matter if you're 80 or if you're 11 or 12 years old. He's there just, he's rocking it, man. Hands down. Yep. And then That's the other good. two is, um, it was Jenna and Channing Tatum when Jenna and Channing were together. And Channing was a yep. real good guy, but Jenna, she, fantastic. I mean, I know they've now slept, separated and she's married with another, with uh, someone else. But anyways. Fantastic. Two fantastic people. Absolutely fantastic people. Just fun to be around. Never smile and laugh with everyone. Great people. There's a lot of good ones. There is. There really is. Yeah, there is. There's a lot of good ones. You know? Yeah, and and here's the thing. I don't know. I'm not not saying this about your your current addition to the the DB Mm -hmm. list, but I've known him and everybody. He's a douchebag, man. He's a 
just didn't Who's this? It. But oh, gosh, okay. Or, yeah. Yeah, just just not a good human wow. being. But there are so many, you know, Chris Pratt. Oh, oh Chris man, is I'm talking about something. I introduced, I introduced, I said, Chris, man, I, you know, my wife wanted to meet Chris. I said, yeah, so I come over, hey, Chris, I need to introduce you to my wife, Elena. Boom, boom. He sat there talking with my wife for 45 yeah. minutes, right? It's like, dude, you can stop anytime you want. It was like, you know, hello, nice to meet you. That would have been, been, that would have yeah. sufficed. But no, no, man, you know, and guys like him, you know, they're, they're out there. I've been out there. I have my Steven Seagal stories. I've had a bunch of those, and you know, I've known Steven for a while. And you know, my my biggest problem with Steven, is, <laughs> I don't know how I say this. Steven used to hurt stuff. Yeah. Well, Gene LaBelle was he's like my you know almost like my second dad, and I've known Gene forever. And Gene recently yep. passed, and look at Gene is an icon, and and Gene was a part of the stunt union forever he was a stunt coordinator did all that stuff and the whole thing that happened with him and steven on one of the sets you know where steven gene was trying to explain to him that hey i think you could use a chokehold in this and it would look good and he says chokehold no one could choke me gene just being who he was well i'll choke you where you stand seagal challenged him to it and he proved that he could do that and he choked him unconscious well then you know steven was upset and actually sued gene over the whole thing and the whole thing that came about from it was that in the end gene could not talk about the situation so if you ever asked gene about steven seagal it was steven seagal is a fine actor and a uh hold on, fine actor and a wonderful martial artist <laughs> and it's all he would say he goes Steven Seagal is a fine actor and a wonderful martial artist. Wasn't you know? that movie scripted around <laughs> him as Brad Pitt and the Quentin Tarantino yes. movie, something in Hollywood, Hollywood something? Yes. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Once upon, upon a time in Hollywood, right? Like where he, he beats up yeah, yeah. Uh, Brad Pitt. The Brad, Pitt char- Brad Pitt character was scripted after. Wow. That's who Quentin Tarantino. That's had. awesome. You know, and so a lot of, a lot like he was supposedly, you know, possibly involved with a murder and stuff well gene was arrested mm. for murder at one point wow. it wasn't true that he you know be he was mm. acquitted of it and stuff but yeah he had all kinds of gene was yeah. you talk about stories man he had some great ones and stuff but steven seagal does have one of my my randy couture stories that i, I hate to say but i told randy i said do you realize that you have created a situation where forever forever I will have to say Steven Seagal was right. <laughs> and that was <laughs> that was when uh, Leona Machida fought Randy at UFC 129 uh, and, and kicked him with that front kick and kicked him in the you know, knocked his uh, teeth out basically. And uh because Seagal in the back before, you know, came up to me, you know, and he would you know, oh John, how are you? I said, nice to see you, Steven, right? We're talking. And he said, and he says, did you see what? And he was talking about Anderson mm-hmm. Silva did to Vitor Belfort. And he was trying to take yeah. credit that he taught Anderson that kick. And I'm like, stop. Right. And I said, you know, and it's like, and then he goes, well, you watch. He goes, Lyoto son is going to do the same thing. He calls him yeah. Lyoto son. Lyoto son is going to do the same thing. Randy Christian and I said, well, I'll tell you what, you know what? That was a, that was a nice kick by, uh, 
by uh, Anderson and and everything, but I don't think that's happening tonight. And God damn it! If it, <laughs> as soon as it happened, he was sitting right behind me because I was on the other side of the cabin, and he's grabbing me, going, "I told you, I told you!" And I was like, um, "Motherfucker!" Let man. me tell you a story. I Let me tell you a story about Steven Seagal. So DC gets done fighting uh, at one of his fights. The next day we go, and he says that Master Seagal has summoned me to his room. So, so we all we all Summon. go to the there to the go. what's it called the uh, Mandarin Orient like hotel and on the strip. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah, oh my yeah. gosh, I I knew that Daniel Cormier was a fucking ham, but he fucking cheeses this thing up. Yes, yeah, Sensei Sensei Seagal, Master Seagal has called me. He's calling his assistant. He's just asking him. Yeah, so I've been summoned by uh, Master Seagal. <laughs> Summon, and then sends his assistant down to get him from the lobby. <laughs> DC is just fucking eating this shit up. He's like, "Oh, you guys are just jealous that I'm being summoned by Sensei Seagal, Master Seagal." It's like, "Oh my god, Daniel, yeah, you are that's such." A, that's the word I'm thinking yo, of. I'm jealous. Man. You're right. That's that's I'm the like exact Daniel. Word. Daniel, he he loves yeah. that shit though. Daniel Cormier uh, loves right. that shit. Good. Well, dude, he loves the, he loves professional wrestling. He loves the acting stuff. That's all right. That's Another good. story with um, I went uh after one of our shows with Jay Glazer, and Jay's really good friends with Chris Pratt, and uh, went and had dinner with uh Chris Pratt and all the guys from uh, Emerging Vets and Players. Chris work Chris works out at Jay's yes, he does. gym. Yep, I've been out there for some yeah. of the Emerging Vets and Players um gatherings, yeah. and um and Chris is there, and some other actors and actresses are there as well as as well as Olympians and. And athletes oh, and football tons. players. Yeah, tons of tons of celebrities and tons of people that are just going through some hard times too were there for the emerging vets and players. But Chris Pratt is a he's at the top of the list too. He's right I gotta hold him up there right there with Channing and, and Jenna and Oh yeah. He's super super great guy. I've had dinner with him a couple of times, twice now. And uh really nice guy. Talks to everyone, really gets to in, in depth conversations, like you said with uh, Miss McCarthy. Is that he'll sit and talk. You're like, Wow, like I wasn't oh, expecting yeah. that and that's that's what you expect from real people, you know, and uh, it makes it easy to be around um, others. All right. Well, hey, you know what? Before we get started, make sure you guys hit the subscribe button. Now, if you guys paid attention to us all the week during the Bellator event, we dropped about 15 shows. They're short shows. But we dropped them on the main channel. So you guys got to hit that bell to get those notifications for when we drop new content. I mean, there was about Dave. How many shows do you think we dropped? Probably about eight. Eight. Well, I wouldn't call them shows. I'd call Whatever. them interviews. But um, <clears throat> uh, we we dropped uh, at least five interviews. Uh, there's a couple more mm -hmm. still to go, and then um, we dropped a live show. We live did drop feed. a live show. So yeah, we did a live feed as well. So I mean, like if we we did the live show, we talked about the fights a little bit. We'll give you a little bit more of a recap. We'll talk more about the behind the scenes stuff. I think for this show on the Bellator because we did kind of do the breakdown last night on the live show. So I don't want to feel redundant and repeat ourselves. But, um. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button, hit the thumbs up. That's, that helps with the, the algorithm, and then also hit the bell. Also, go to WayneInMerch.com, pick up one of our hoodies, some of our long sleeve. John is wearing one of our hoodie designs there, as you guys can see, which is an awesome shirt. And the material and the um, quality of the product is a lot nicer. Super a lot nicer, thick. you guys, these days. Um, we were using other other companies until uh, we got on our feet, and the quality wasn't as good. The shirts weren't as good, but guess what? The new ones are. And I'm, we're stoked to be working with this company. So we want to thank you guys for supporting us. John, let's go ahead and get started on Bellator 290, man. That happened in L.A., first show on CBS. And I did get some rough numbers. We did about 950,000 views. But that was at the that was the average. So that means that it, 
They haven't given out the peak numbers and the low numbers at probably, some point. Probably peaked somewhere around one three. 1. I'd 1. say one one two. You I think, think one that? two one three probably. Okay. I'm thinking probably. Yeah, I think right, right around yeah. the Fedor fight, it probably peaked, or towards the end of um, Johnny Eblen's fight, probably peaked. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Should have peaked during the damn. Sabaho Masi versus it might it might have peaked probably towards that sec beginning of that second round. Who knows? I mean, they said that it was around the ten o'clock mark that it peaked. So, 10 yeah, o'clock ten o'clock Eastern, Eastern. That is correct. Yes. Um. All right. Well, hey, let's let's go ahead and jump into this. Uh, John, we talked about the the main event yesterday. Ryan Bader versus Fedor in his retirement fight. But for me, I feel like I need to talk more about Fedor the week of smiling. More so than normal, understanding I think that this was kind of time to come to a close. Understanding when we talked to him in the fighter meetings, yeah. the um, just the pressure that he doesn't handle that the the fight week pressure, the just the preparation for it is not as fun as it used to be. He gets more in the growth of watching his his uh, students or the people that he works with, Nemkov, Moldovsky, Tokov, the other Tokov. He gets more pleasure and more enjoyment out of seeing their growth and them winning titles or them being uh, considered for titles. You know, Tokov came up a little short against Johnny Eblen, but man, it was a good fight, especially in those first three rounds, God, first two awesome. rounds, first three rounds. It was a good fight, and then Johnny started to take over. But he gets that that more growth. He loves that more so right now than trying to focus on himself and it was time and he knew it was time yeah and you know josh it all comes down to this 46 years of yeah. age 46 yeah. years of age you know, father time takes things away from me. i'm the first one to look at one time i was a good athlete i'm the worst athlete in the world yeah. now <laughs> okay it's just the when you hit numbers and, and i can tell you i i remember you know, when I, you know, was doing something, and I remember when I turned 45 is when injuries did not go away. You know, I always stayed hurt from, you know, rolling or whatever I was doing, and it was like, God damn. Then when I was 50, everything hurt as far as if I sparred or did That's when I stopped sparring, basically. So that's it. I'm done. You know, got tired of getting hit in the fucking face, and it, it started to you're, really you're hurt. Obviously, no, you're obviously you know, a slow learner. 50 years old what the fuck is wrong with you <laughs> and they call well, me the know, dumb one what, really <laughs> yeah well you know and okay here's the truth and you you know it's mm -hmm. true is sparring's fun mm -hmm. when you're making guys miss when you're old you're not making a miss you're the target you're target that's the whole target thing practice. you're dude they're never <laughs> missing <laughs> you're getting hit by yeah. everything Okay, because you see it coming, and by the time your body reacts, it's already hit you, and the second one's coming. You know, and it's like, it's just, you cannot maintain it. And, and Fedor is, you know, a guy that lived off of speed and explosiveness, and father time takes it away. You know, I looked at this fight going in, and, and you and I talked about it, and I gave Fedor very little chance of winning. I thought, if he's going to win... It's going to be a blitz in the first minute, maybe minute 30, and that's if it goes past that, that ain't going to happen. You, know, and you you gave him as much as, well, he can make it to the end of the round, and maybe after a minute's rest he'll have 30 to 45 seconds of yeah, that blitz yeah. again. You know, like Ryan Bader is as a heavyweight. Yeah. I've said it many times. 
and I've, I've, I've said it to Ryan Bader. You've been there. I said, dude, you need to stay at heavyweight. You are a much better fighter at heavyweight than you are at light heavyweight. And he is. And he showed it. You know, but he showed it against a guy that he should have beaten, and he did beat him. The one thing that I want to say out of all this, look, that whole thing was set up as that farewell to Fedor, and that's great. He deserves it. You have got to, if you didn't like Ryan Bader before, if you don't like him now, you're an idiot. Because, man, I'll tell you what, you talk about a guy who handled being the villain as the champion. He handled being the villain in this. He handled everything as far as, you know, all the media and everything. And he handled it with such class. He stood there, you know, applauding Fedor the whole time, talking, talking Fedor up and how special he was. He showed what kind of person he is that you and I both know. He's a special dude and he's a, he's absolutely got a a heart of gold. And, you know, he just showed what kind of classy athlete he is. John, you brought up, you know, when you were, sparring at 50 years old and everything hurt and here he is at 46 still in there doing it you know was fighting for fighting, fighting the, fighting the for best a title. guys out there. fighting for a title yeah. and um crazy i know it didn't go his way but you had brought up like oh when i was you know when i hit 40 like i'm not an athlete anymore and i'm like there's things in life right that pre-40 i used to stand on top of a chair to like reach things but now i get up on a chair and i like start looking down going fuck i could fall and break a hip like it's <laughs> <laughs> anything after 40 it's the way the way you get down out of a chair and when you're 40 years old when you're under 40 you would jump down over 40 one hand on the wall one hand on the chair and then you step down one leg at a time things just change i was cleaning out my gutter last i was cleaning out my gutters last summer at the house and i'm cleaning it out and i'm thinking i felt like off balance like i was gonna fall off the roof at any moment any time i remember Roller ba- rollerblading back in like the 80s on top of the, g- the the high school gym roof and jumping from building to building. Now, I'm afraid just to walk on the roof because it feels like I'm going to fall. The stability is not the same. Your body just doesn't react. No. The things, your depth perception is not the same. All of these, look at I'm wearing fucking glasses now. You know what I mean? Like all of yeah. these things change and they make a huge difference. And to be competing at a high level, say what you want. I mean, he just knocked out Tim Johnson. You know, but the fight before yep. this, and he's got, and he's had finishes in all of his fights up until um, since he lost to Ryan Bader the first time. So, and he's finished yep. everyone after that, and then he's come in, and now he is, he's got a loss, and he walked off into the sunset. Maybe not the way that he was hoping, but it was there. Yeah. How many, like, <clears throat> let's be honest, and this is, it's part of the, sp- this, it's part of the sport of MMA and boxing combat sports. Look, fairy tale endings. Are just not part no. of our sports you know let's just be honest it's you know and i don't care who it is you know you take a look at all of the guys all of them that were standing inside of that cage last night for fedor and you had some incredible fighters in there okay let's take a look at that all right dan henderson his last fight what yep. happened lost mark coleman yep. lost randy couture lost, lost. Frank Shamrock lost. lost. Matt Hughes lost. Josh Barnett lost. Chuck Liddell. Chuck Liddell lost. Chael Sonnen lost. Lost. Rampage Jackson lost. Hoist. Hoist lost. You know, you just look Hoist and you go. Did, no, the Hoist did his last one? No, his, his last Ken one he didn't lose, so that's why I didn't pay. 
<laughs> and pick him he, out. He fought Ken, right? Huh? Didn't he fight Ken? Yeah, yeah he, he won. won. That's right. He won. Yeah. But I mean, <clears throat> it's not the it's not the norm <clears throat> to you know go out as you know the guy that yeah you know, I go out on a win fighting when a guy wins he just thinks he can do it again yeah. too and uh man it's you know it's it's a it's a harsh reality and it's a mean mistress mm -hmm. as far as the way you know it goes but it usually doesn't end with you know the pretty picture yeah. but that's a pretty good picture that's a great right there. picture right there you know that's a great yeah. picture and there was a ton of other fighters that were there but these are the ones that are um that were able to come up into the cage um just it's it's honestly like like I said last night on the broadcast, it's he brought something to the sport when we needed him the most. We needed somebody to represent the sport in class. You know, with with class I should say. And, and that's exactly what he did. He brought humbleness, dynamic fights though that went along with his humbleness and explosive submissions, explosive knockouts, fast twitch muscles, left himself out of position. He was also not invincible, and I was listening to unbelievable, unbelievable comebacks. comebacks. Like that's exactly what it was. I was listening to uh, Luke Thomas and BC, and they brought up a good point. It wasn't like he was invincible. No, he took some damage. No, remember the remember the oh, yeah. the Fujita fight? He got rocked with the first couple, oh. the first combination. Dude, he was on stanky exactly. legs, man, just trying to hold on to yep. Fujita. And they come back. He comes back and gets the finish. He had some great it. fights with the Randleman, the, the suplex. What about the Kevin Randleman? Oh, come on. He gets suplexed on his head. That freaking just unbelievable. I mean, literally, like, there's a, there's the picture. I don't know if you can pull this up, Dave, but there's a picture of Kevin Randleman throwing him, and his feet are vertical with the ground, or parallel with the ground. Yep. And in yep. and Fedor's feet are, are are up in the air, vertical the ground, up, uh, uh, directly oh, above. Yeah. Where both of them, they're 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 that. Look 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 at the third picture right there. Look at that. Look at that. They're both up in that. the air. And well, they're both up in the air, but only one's in a position. You go, I don't yeah, want to be exactly. that. Guy. And so, <laughs> Fedor is going down in a way you don't want to. It be wasn't that as if he was invincible. You know, like there's certain guys you look at certain. I'm going to throw these names out is Floyd Mayweather. It seemed like he was invincible, never been dropped in his career, although he was against Zab Judah. His glove hit the ground. It should have been a, a drop, a knockdown. And he also there what was about, one other guy. He got he got nailed by by uh, Sugar Shane Mosley. Yeah, too. But I don't know if he got he, sat he got down. Nailed by I think him. The ropes was, kept him up an, in that one. An early an early fight he had. That guy had him. I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember. Well, Zab Judah had him on. Had, had him. Wobbled and he put his he yeah, put his glove down and they didn't count it as a as yeah. a knockdown, uh. But him yeah. and then John Jones, John's he's had some good fights. The only towards the end of his two hundred five did were the fights kind of close. The rest of the fights, yeah, he dominated pretty much all of those fights. But you know, and again, but you take a look and this is where we talk about, man, when you're the champion, you you're the mm -hmm. target. Everybody wants that shot yeah. at you. Because, you know, you, you hold on to that one thing that is going to establish the start of their legacy. And, you know, can they get past you? And it's tough to figure out and to find the, the motivation after a while, especially yeah. for as long as John <clears throat> did it. So in the end, you know, at, at light heavyweight, I don't think his motivation was high. I think he's going to have a lot more motivation in this next fight. I think you're going to see... You know, a motivated John Jones, which yeah, that's not a good good thing for his opponents, because the guy, fight wise, fight IQ and everything, 
There's no one that's better. No. I don't think there is. Um, there's there's a couple guys that are up there, but they're they haven't fought the level of opponents that he's fought. Yep. Over the over, over the, the time, time period, period yeah. too. And I look at Fedor. Fedor's got he's he's fought the level of opponents all the way across the board. Kevin Randleman. He's fought Coleman twice when Coleman was in his prime. I'd say uh, Nogueira three times, but two times with the fit with the win. You know, he didn't lose yep. to him the third time. But, or whatever it was the second time. Second, second, second time, time in a no, no contest, contest based upon yeah, a head cut. cut. Um, <clears throat> all of these things. But he's fought Tim Sylvia right after he came off the UFC. He fought uh, Andre Arlovsky so out of the UFC after being champions, both of those yeah. guys. Like, he's fought the who's who, and he fought them when they were in their prime, and he knocked them out. It's pretty simple, yep. man. And, I like, I didn't want to – I'm not – I said it on the broadcast. I, I'm, I think – I may get some flack, I mean, because they're my boys. Oh, man, you sold your boys out when I talked about Kane and, and DC. But they didn't, together, if I pull up no. their records, they're like 14-2 and two or 14-3, and three, and then the other one's 14 or 6-17-3 and three or something like that. But they have a total combined record of what Fedor's record is over that period of time. Uh, what's DC? DC's record is... First off, you didn't sell them out. Here, here's the difference, and you tell me if I'm wrong, but... <clears throat> I will say this. 22 and, and, and 3. Daniel Daniel was a fantastic yeah. fighter. Daniel, uh, you know, you take a look at 14 him. 14 and 3. He always mm -hmm. said, and so this is why I'm going to eliminate him out of the equation. He always said, I can't beat Kane. No. Did he not? I can tell you he can't. He couldn't have beat Kane. Okay. I can't and I love Kane. DC, man. So, I love him. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely, and that takes nothing. I actually appreciate the honesty of DC in that situation. John, so then John, you take John, Kane. It wasn't even close. Yeah, yeah, and I and you know, I know, I know, but I'm saying like it was just just to see the Kane of the prime, a prime Kane. Yes, and that this is the difference. Prime Kane, and this is where people know. If, if Dave go go and and sh show his record as far as his earlier fights right when he was, you can take a right around that Ben Rothwell. Mm -hmm. Okay. The UFC 99, UFC mm -hmm. 104, UFC 110, UFC 121. That moment in time, those from basically, you know, 20, you know, 09 to 2010, those two mm -hmm. years, Cain Velasquez was as good as anybody ever was. As a mixed martial arts fighter, I think in those years, Kane could have possibly could have could have beaten Fedor. But you take a look; he had two years of time that he was that yeah that special of a guy. Yeah, Fedor. You take a look and you look at all the fights that he had in Pride, two thousand and three to two thousand and seven as the champion, and then. Pride was sold, so that's where mm -hmm. the championship ended. And then he continued on because it was with affliction with Whamma and became the champion there, beating, as you said, Tim Sylvia and then Arlovsky. And you just look at the time period and how long he did it. That's what makes him special because let's I'm gonna be honest, there was that moment in time when Velasquez is as good as as good as yeah. you could get as far as a heavyweight fighter. He just wasn't able to carry that for the amount of time that Fedor was. I also look to that his his Czech Congo fight was his coming out party because he got dropped in that fight 
twice in the first yeah. round and then to start off the second round, he got dropped again and then he grinded it out and got the win. And, um, yeah, it wasn't the most pretty performance, but I think that's when he realized, Oh shit, I am, um, I'm human. Like Kane was, he had been sparring with it's possible. I could be sparring hurt. with Paul Bonatello. He'd been sparring with Mike Kyle. He'd been sparring with DC. He'd been sparring with world class guys. Uh, Lavar Johnson. I mean, there was guys that came in. They were all bigger than him, except for DC. Um, you know, but they were all bigger than him. And he was flinging them around. He was out hustling them. He'd spar three rounds with Mike Kyle. Mike Kyle would have to get out because he was exhausted. He'd bring in Paul Bonatello. He'd do three rounds with him. Then he'd do two more rounds with DC of just you know touch touch because DC was just getting better with his hands and stuff at the time. Like he, Mike Van Arsdale, I mean, just like those guys, like he would just be out hustling them, out working them, working on his, his striking. He got better and progressively better. But that, that week before he was supposed to fight Junior DeSantis, he tore his knee. And yeah. he just, in his mind, I don't, I think he was kind of already beat going in there. Like I'm fighting this guy on Fox. So. And the UFC sweetened the deal so well, he had no choice but to take that fight. He had no choice. Yeah. He is still living yeah. off the amount of money he made from that fight. Still. That's how much yeah. money he made. Just from that one fight, and it was like 19 seconds or something. Um, but then... 60, 64 yeah. seconds. And so, but then after that, he goes on a run again. You know, he beats Antonio Silva. He fights Junior, beats Junior. And that those three, the two fights, the knockout, but then the next two fights with Junior, I think it, I think honestly, it ruined both their careers. They were yes. never the same fighters after both, both of those guys. guys fought. Never. They just, yeah. they, it was, it was, they were the, they, they took so much out of each yes, other. They were, they were the Josh Thompson, Gilbert Melendez. That trilogy was like that. Yeah. It was just, we just got like, we destroyed ourselves. You, but you need that nemesis in your life if you're going to be a fighter to really carry favor with the fans. Like you need someone to challenge you. I think that's why John, John's a great fighter, but he's never had that guy. He had it with DC. And that's when I feel like the star power was high, but it was a one-sided thing. It was it was one-sided, you know? And then I'm not, like I said, yeah. I'm not taking jabs at my boy, man. I love D. And D is a hard, no. hard worker. DC, is, people can make fun of the you know, his belly or the way he's... But, dude, that guy is a fucking dog. He works his ass off every single day in the gym. He'd be at home working his ass off. He'd be... He'd be and, and he's never stopped being a father. That's the other thing I loved about DC. Still at every one of his son's games. Still at his daughter's gymnastics. Still... That kid, that guy's everywhere. And then coaching his, his kids on the weekend. I had just his kids, but other people's kids. Yeah. You know, um, but with Kane, he just, after that, that, that third junior fight, he was just plagued with injuries, plagued with all these things during those times because he was training so hard and so focused on junior, just knew that junior was going to come back. And, um, but like you said, John, that period, I'm not even prepared to say that he would be, he would have beat Fedor during that time only because I knew Kane's weaknesses and his weakness was his jujitsu. If you go back and you watch, you go back and watch the, the, I think it was the last junior fight. Um, slam and punches. I think it was the last junior fight is when he, he almost locked him into that guillotine. It might've been the second one. He yeah. almost had him at the end. And I know Kane was tired, but Kane's only defense was to flop to his back and just, and just scramble from there. Because the submission game, he, they, him and D, him and DC didn't really ever train it. They were just such good wrestlers and they had such good cardio. They never had, they never really had to worry about people trying to take them down because they knew in the heavyweight division there's not a lot of good wrestlers. There wasn't, you know. Um, yeah. It wasn't until he fought uh, Fabricio and he got so gassed in Mexico City because of the altitude 
that he realized, shit, I have to know, you have to learn how to defend submissions, even when you're tired. And it's hard to learn that type of defense against someone who's a world-class like Fabricio. You know what I mean? Anybody else he could have probably got out of that with, but not Fabricio. It's the wrong guy. When you're tired, exhausted, shoot, your head gets in there. It's done. It's over. And he just never was the same after he lost the title. Just the desire, I think. The It was almost like a sense of relief. Like, okay, I'm done right now. I need a break. Go hard. Do all these things. But even then, I still think that that would have been the fight of the for me in my mind. If I was to think of a fight that we never got to see, would have been Kane and Fedor. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Kane and Fedor or Brock and Fedor because the, the UFC, it was... It's, the UFC believed in Brock Lesnar, so Dana believed in Brock so much because of the size. I'll never forget when Brock was going to fight Kane. Uh, yeah. Kane, and Dana, <laughs> and man, you know he and uh, Dana is talking to me, and he and and I said, "Oh, Kane Velasquez is going to destroy Brock Lesnar," and he looked at me like I was the dumbest mm-hmm. motherfucker on the face of the yeah. planet. He looked at me, he goes, "Are you fucking crazy?" Yeah. He goes. How he goes, Brock Lesnar. No, oh, he didn't. You know, Brock Lesnar was a Division One NC two A champion. Kane was never. I go, dude. It's not a fucking wrestling match. Great. I go, and when you're talking about if they did wrestle, it would be fucking close. Yeah. You know, and it's like I said, Brock has got one chance. I go, one chance, one chance at all. I go and. It ain't going to happen. And so after that fight, he looked at me and I was like, duh. Right. And it was like, hey, you know, and I I think that was the fight that they wanted when they were, you know, Dana says, you know, I know that he came out in the media and said, you know, oh, I never thought Fedor was any good. You know, Dana, why don't you tell everyone how much you were going to pay Fedor to fight in the UFC if he was no good? Because it it wasn't about the money as far as for Fedor. The UFC offered him a shit ton of money. Now, other people paid him a shit ton. Bellator paid him a shit ton. Let's just be honest. But Dana wanted to put that Brock Lesnar-Fedor fight together. And if if Fedor would have signed, that was going to be his first fight was against Brock. And Fedor would have eaten Brock up at that point. At that point, even back If you look at... If you look at Brock Lesnar, and I'm I'm a fan of Brock Lesnar, I love I love the I oh, love absolutely. the publicity he brought to the sport. I'm actually very grateful for that. Um, as as yeah. a fighter who's not a big guy, a guy who just you know I had a long career, but I never developed that star power. There was moments in my career where I had some I had some moments that were generating star power, but it just wasn't never hit that level ever. And um, <clears throat> he brought a lot of the eyeballs to the sport, uh, just like he does in the WWE, and so. But right. he was there was never a moment that he enjoyed or liked being hit. And when he did get hit, no. when he did get hit, John, he would turn away and cover up oh, and run to the right. fence. And I've seen top level wrestlers, some some of my friends that thought they were going to be great yeah. fighters in the gym. They were fucking animals. But in a real fight, I've seen guys literally run back to the corner in the fetal position and shell up until the ref stopped it. I've seen it yeah. with my own eyes. And that, and that look at. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. It's okay. But if you're going to be a professional okay. fighter, you have to become friends with being yeah. hit. It is just part of what it is. You know, and if you can't, and, and you know, the, the fight with, you know, Brock tried at times, you know, I know 
you know, Eric Paulson was, you know, going and doing his camps and I knew guys that were at his camps. I knew guys that went there as sparring partners and I talked to him as that was going on. And they said, yeah, it was first. Don't, don't do this now. Don't do that now. And then they go, finally got to don't hit Brock. And it was like, you can't Mm. do that. And they go, yeah, well, that's what's going on. (laughs) It's like, okay, you know, but that's okay. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, let's run through uh, the next fight. Sorry, that's only fight number one. We got to get moving, John. <laughs> got to get moving. Look at Johnny Eblen put on a masterful performance against a really good fighter in Anatoly Tokov. Anatoly Tokov, you know, I thought the first round was close. Tokov really was doing well in the second round. A lot of people did not see that elbow mm-hmm. strike that Eblen threw that hit Tokov in the side of the head that put him down. That was the difference maker for me in the why I gave the round to Eblin. And from that point, Mm -hmm. it was the pace and the pressure of Eblin just started to wear Tokov down. Yeah. And he Mm -hmm. wasn't able to match it. We talked to some of the judges afterwards, and they were saying, like, we didn't see it from our angle. So I I ruled it it for uh, Tokov. And I saw saw the elbow. I I saw the elbow hit him right across the temple. Lost oh, his balance, dude. face down, but then he, he popped yep. back up. He got back into the scramble and all that. Um, yeah, yeah well, he, he was hurt. hurt. <clears throat> but Johnny Eblen right now, I just feel like he's firing all cylinders. He's really motivated to keep fighting with a chip on his shoulder because no one gave any love. That that comment, that one comment that Gaygard made, I don't even know who this guy is. <laughs> that really changed, I think, his mindset. Oh, I- that 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 got his attention, you know, and uh, I mean, he still yeah. brings it up to this day. When I talk to him, he's like, "Yeah, yeah. he's like, all these guys are gonna know who I am by the time I'm done." And I'm like, "You're on the right track right now, man." Um, you know, but let's let's talk about something else. I want to spruce up the division. You know, Luke Rocco was there in the audience. You know, yes, and uh, I know there's been conversations with him and Scott Coker. Um, there, I know, and I also know that he wants to box, which Coker and Showtime Sports and everyone else or Showtime Boxing is all 100% okay with, uh, and he can still fight MMA. Now, there's fights to be made with Luke. Now, I'm not saying I want to see Luke fight all these young killers, but I do want to see him fight Gegard. I do want to see I do want to see him. That's yeah. the one. You know, Gegard was there, too. I didn't and, see him, but I did see that he was there. Yeah, Gegard was there, and, and they were kind of like, you know, this would be mm-hmm. good. And it would be, be. Fantastic. You know, they never yeah. faced off when they were both in the UFC. And it would be a great different match. weight classes. You know, strike Force, remember? Because he was the champ at two hundred five. Well, when they were in Strike Force, Gegard was fighting at light yep. heavyweight, which is yeah, crazy. He's tiny. He was he's doing it, big. and Luke was the middleweight yep. champion. You know, when Luke was actually, I think, bigger than yeah, Luke. <laughs> not 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 a little bit either, a lot bigger. Yeah, um, uh, well. but there's fights to be made there. I'd like to see Fabian Edwards and, and Luke Rockhold. I think that'd be a fun fight. I think and that'd be a really you, good uh, fight. And then you put him also, too, with uh, again, I, Vancinas. 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 Oh, him and Van would be fireworks. Luke and Van would be fireworks. But I, I think that yeah. Van needs one more fight. One more fight until before he gets to uh, before he gets to Johnny Eblen. He needs some. He needs to get back in the rhythm of things. He's got to get that timing down, that fight timing down. But Johnny, Johnny's like, look, I'll fight whoever. Doesn't matter. But I look at the guy that's on the yeah. roster, though. Um, but he's also his teammate is Dalton Rasta. Dalton Ross is he's making yeah. big gains, making big jumps, you know, and uh I don't know, man. Brendan Ward called him out at one eighty five. I'm like, that was kinda of threw me you off. You know, and I did well it did I, I as soon as he said Hercules, I was like, You're talking about Dalton Rasta, but and I was like, 
He's a yeah. he's a middleweight. You're fighting a welterweight. He what are you talking about? And so I I, I kind of just let it go. Well, you know, Brent Brennan had fought earlier on in his career when he first started with Bellator. He was yeah. a middleweight. He fought Alexander Slomenko for the championship. I ref yeah. that fight as a middleweight. But I was like, but you're fighting a welterweight. What are you doing? You know, and I was like, I kind of just let it go. But I was like, that's an interesting call out. Yeah. Well, he had, he won, he won, and not an easy one shot. Now he won that fight. I'm like, you can't get a title shot off of Sabah, you know, but Sabah's, he was ranked. Sabah's ranked number six or something like that. I think scroll up. There we go. Sabah was ranked, oh, number eight. I mean, but I could see him maybe fighting. Like, if you put him maybe against like Douglas Lima after Lima's next fight, um, well, Lima, Lima moved up how to about, middle. How about, how about so. a, a Yamauchi fight or a Korshkov fight? He, oh, he yeah. Wants, he, did he bring up Korshkov? Did he bring up Korshkov? He said he wanted that fight back, right? No, that was... Um, Hamasi, that's okay. So Hamasi wanted that fight back. But, I mean, I'm down, man. I think I think if you have that Brennan Ward fight Andre Korshkov or you have him fight uh, Yamauchi, that'd be a fun fight, man. I'd like to see him fight Lima, too. But I know Lima's got a fight coming well, up. Well, 85, 85. I'm sorry. The embarrassing, the embarrassing thing that I see here in this welterweight picture for Bellator, oh, you know, from the championship down the to media, 10. blame them. Where's the Where's the Reds Larkin? Oh, I thought you were talking about the other thing. Kyle Crushman just lost to Jaleel Willis, and he's still ranked. He's still oh, ranked know. ahead of him. I know. I know. That was their last fights. How can you be ranked below somebody or ha- higher than them? How do you beat and, someone and beat them soundly? Yeah. And and you're right, and then you're right below them. That's so weird to me. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. Larkin. Well, I think his Larkin's inactivity. Correct. And his last opponent was. The, well, his last opponent was, was Brahamov again Brahamov. because they had yeah, the yeah. no so contact. So it's the inactivity, and then I think he's and then Brahamov's not ranked either. He won't be ranked now either. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Next fight. <laughs> yeah. Well, we talked about Brennan Ward there, him against Homasi. They did start it off. They, look, you got to give it up for both guys. Homasi came out. He was throwing giant power yeah. shots, which, you know, and he was all the, you know, and I love the attempts, and I love some of them were actually connecting. He had the switch knees, mm-hmm. the flying knees he was throwing. But it takes a ton of energy, Josh. Yeah. You know it. And the, the one thing that we know about Sabah, fast twitch muscle fiber athlete, who has got power, he's got speed, but when it comes to being able to maintain that conditioning, it starts to taper off and taper off fast. We saw it against, you know, he hurt Paul Daly, hurt him badly. Only the second guy I ever saw really hurt Paul Daly and couldn't finish him, burned through that energy, basically tired himself out. He got tired against Brennan Ward. Yeah. Uh, it was it was as much fatigue as far as what was affecting him as it was the the punches or you know kicks from Brennan. You know what we got to talk about is Brennan Ward and his his fight IQ is on point when he is sober. Because yeah. we talked to him in this week, he said, "I'm going to go out there. I'm going to wrestle him a little bit. I understand that he slows down as the fight goes on. If you make him work." And that's exactly what he did. He came out and he shot right away. And then he scrambled. He wasn't focused on getting the takedown. He was focused on making him work. And he, and he said, he goes, he says, I, you know, I, I know they want me to get into a firefight. He goes, and I will. Yes. But I'm going to get into the firefight. Yeah. I'm going to get into the firefight when I decide it's time. 
to get in the firefight. I can't do that with him at the beginning. He's got too much power. He yeah, Smart. he's a, he's he's got a lot of knowledge and he knows how to fight and he's got the dog in him to do it. He just needs to make well, sure that he continues to stay clean and grow and and become better because he is that fight like the way he mixed it up, he understood that oh, I'm boxing, I'm boxing and he threw that head kick at the end. That shit came out of nowhere, John. I was like, oh, yeah. beautifully timed. It, and I'm going to yeah. throw a little jab at myself, but it was, you know, it, it reminded me of, because Sabal threw a little back fist, like a little backhand, like when I got knocked out by Eves. <laughs> he threw the same thing, and the kick came right after he missed. Boom. The fucking kick came and landed right flush and sat into his butt. I mean, it was it was just perfectly timed, perfectly executed, great stuff by him. But it was a it was a great fight. Sabah had his moments for sure. He dropped him two times with those Absolutely. leg kicks, swept him right off from off of his off of his feet. Just a fantastic. It was a it was exactly what, and John, it was exactly what we needed going into that main that that title fight, because that's why they put him on there. But there was a lot of technique. They didn't the, just stand and bang and make it sloppy. There was a lot of technique. Leg no, kicks, cat was, kiss, wrestling. It wasn't. It wasn't a no, barroom brawl. There was a ton of yeah. technique. I was very happy. They both showed a lot of elements of mixed martial arts, and that's what made it such a good fight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's. I'm not going to run through all these uh, prelims, but give me a fight on here that you really want to talk about on the prelims. <sighs> if I'm going to talk about a fight on the prelims, I think we already talked about Lorenz Larkin. We did, you know, with his uh, elbow. when we did that live thing. Unbelievable yeah. elbow. But if I'm going to say, you know, I want to give, you know, props. We gave props to Chris Gonzalez. Fantastic. Henry Corrales fighting Ahmed Magomedov. Magomedov undefeated, outstanding. Henry Corrales stuck to a game plan, executed that game plan, and took apart a really good fighter and got that win based upon sticking to a game plan. Systematically used that low calf kick throughout the fight to create problems for, for Magomedov. Magomedov, in the end, unable to get the takedown. And you... Look, if there is a blueprint on how to beat Henry Corrales, it is take him off of his feet and use ground and pound. He can't get back up. He's not dangerous once he's on the ground. You're going to get your win. How many guys have done yeah, that? Yep. Right? Well, he goes to fight ready with Henry Corrales. I'm sorry, with Henry Cejudo and Angel Cejudo. And look at what's happening, man. Dude, he had some moments. His defensive wrestling was yeah. fantastic. Yeah, I agree. I I Great agree. performance. What I want to see more out of Henry, though, is I understand why. Is when you know when you know you're fighting someone who wants to wrestle you and take you down, you try to keep it to a one shot, one two shot. Yeah, is that yep, he, yep. when he lands clean though? You got to throw the third no matter what. You got to throw it. And he had moments where he landed a clean hard shot, but then he just stuck to the one two, just to the one two, or the right hand left hook, or the left hook right hand, or the one two. It was yeah. you've got to you've got to when you feel it land clean uppercut left when hook. You, when you feel it land clean, you got to throw the third. No matter what, even if you don't think it's going to land, throw it. Because nine times out of ten, it does land. It does. And so you got to throw it. And he could have potentially had moments where he could have maybe got him out of there. Who knows? You never know. This is the fight game. But, uh, you know, yep. I think for for um, for fans at home, you're like, man, just throw the third. I want to see this potentially get even better. And so Henry's got to get out of that a little bit. But I understand why he did it for this fight. All right, let's go. We're going to go into the UFC now. We're going to talk. Look, there's only a couple fights out of the UFC we're going to talk about. We'll talk about the main card and then one or two fights probably on the prelims. Uh, but that, that's pretty much about it. Um, so you have, what, what is this one called? 68? 
Vegas 68. UFC Fight Night 68. Vegas 68. Lewis versus Spivak. Spivak, not Spivak. Spivak is what Laura Senko is saying. And I'll I'll listen to Laura Senko any day. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I thought she did a fantastic job, by the way, on the commentary. Um, you know, she did fantastic. Yeah. I thought, I thought it was kind of funny because I tuned in. I was like, Hey, who's that? Oh shit. That's right. It's Laura tonight. It's Laura tonight. That's right. So good for her, man. I'm happy for her. Uh, John Spivak versus Spivak. Is it Lewis? But is it not weird? It was. It was weird. It's not weird. It was weird. Well, but it's also weird that I have two guys from Mm. England in this John Gooden and, and, and Bisping. And then we've got Laura. It was like, Okay, this is a completely yep. different commentary team than you would expect, but you know they did. A great I agree. Job. I agree. She did a really so good Spivak job. versus Lewis. Lewis on a skid. I think of five fights now or four fights. Four fight losing streak. Is I think it it's five? four. I think it might be four fight losing streak. That's what I was thinking. Um, I mean, honestly, I don't know. When I look at how Spivak got this fight to the ground, and the rest is history. Beautifully Beautiful. done. What he did was, and I don't understand why fighters don't use this more because it's, I use this thing all the time. I didn't have to use it so much in my fight as much as I use it in the gym. And I would do this to Habib. I would do it to John Fitch. I would do it to Koscheck. I would do it to Swick all the time. It's as soon as you punch and you get to the clinch, right away pull on the lat and try to hit that foot sweep. It breaks their balance. And then if they go to posture back up, you can just pummel back inside and push them away if you're trying to escape. Or you can do what Spivak did, and he just stepped across on the other side. When they go to fight and stand back up straight, you step across, go far side hip toss. Beautifully yep. done. And we've yep. seen guys try to throw Derek Lewis before. It didn't work out for them. This guy, he made it look easy when he when he did that toss. Oh, dude. As soon as he dude, as soon as he loaded him up on the hip, it was yeah, like, oh, he's going for a ride. ride. Yeah, I mean, he was just, he was up and down and with well Derek done. Lewis, left and right. Derek just has, needs to work on his, his wrestling in terms of how he gets back up, how he doesn't get back up, all of these things. I mean, every time he fell, I saw a couple of times he fell directly on his face. I was like, yeah. ooh, that didn't look good. So I, when I look at this fight, I expected more out of Derek coming in shape, looking lean, looking a lot better. But the end result is if you don't know how to wrestle, man, you're going to have a hard time. And to think, the guys like Curtis Blades, guys like John Jones, these guys are coming in the heavyweight division. You've got Moldowski who can wrestle. You've got Brian Bader who can wrestle. The heavyweight divisions has never been stacked with good wrestlers. And the ones that have been good wrestlers have normally been the champ. Have done they've well. done well or been they, the champ. They, they've normally done very yeah. well. Kane, DC, uh, you know, I think any guys that can wrestle and, and wrestle well in the heavyweight division, they have a really good chance of becoming champs. We'll see. Yeah. I, I looked at this fight and I, I I give it up for Derek and the fact that look, he worked. He kept he kept working to get back to his feet. He didn't know he didn't understand about look. You can get back to your feet, but you got to break the hands apart, Josh. You can't sit there and think that I'm, I'm going to get back up and now I don't work the hands. You're going to end up going for that mat return and Sergey did it what seven eight times seven, eight mat returns, and it's like that wears you out, especially when you're a heavyweight like Derek. And when he finally tried to turn to, you know, because, you know, to get himself in a position, arm was right in place, right away, you know, arm triangle. It was tight. Hey, anybody can get choked. But uh, I feel bad for Derek, but this is honestly, you know, I, I, I ate shit 
saying that I looked at Derek as a gatekeeper. Mm. How many, you know, how long ago? I said, nah, you know, at this point, I don't see Derek Lewis working himself mm. back to a championship fight. I just don't think that's going to happen. He's more the gatekeeper. You know what I look at, though? I think you're really mm -hmm. in that position. There's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys that don't have it in them, a title run in them more than once. And yeah. it's like you're, it's, it's so anticlimactic. What they do is they, they work so hard to get there. They get to the title shot. They get the title shot. They come up short. They don't have it in them to get back. Or even the ones that have won it. And then they, they lose it. And then they don't have it in them to run it back. I mean, you have to think. I mean, like, John, it took me a long time to get refocused after the, the UFC, you know, when I fought Eves Edwards. I was supposed to be for the lightweight title. It should have been, you know, and it, it should have been. I was the number one guy in the world at the time. He was number two. That, And I didn't fight smart. And I'm not taking anything away from him. I didn't fight smart in that fight because I was a little upset at the fact, like, they kept telling me, yeah, this might be for the title. And then, like, then eventually that was the last fight in the lightweight division ever and for, like, those three years. Three or four years, I think, is that they got rid of the division. It was a long time, and then um, they brought the division back. But it was, that should have been for the title. It took me that long to get remotivated to really make another drive for another title run. I just didn't have it. I didn't. I, I would rather. I was like, you know what? I already, I've already been there. I've done that. I thought I was already done. I was young, and I, I, I was telling myself, "You've already been to the top. You don't need to go back." And there was a lot of conversations. I think as a fighter, fans, you guys need to understand. I, I had a lot of conversations with myself. I had to look at myself in the mirror sure. and go, "Hey, you got you got this. Why, Why are, are you doing, doing that? That's one. Do you still want it? That's two. And you got this. Once I decided that I wanted it, I could do it. It just there there was moments where I'm like, I don't want this anymore. And I was young, like 28, 29, 31. Like I was, you know, I've done all it all. I'm good. Like you start, I started counting my chickens before they hatched kind of situation. Like, ah, oh, I've done it all. I'm the man. I've done it all. No, you haven't done shit, buddy. And I think with Derek Lewis, right? And, and other fighters that have got there, they didn't get it. It takes a while to settle back in and go, okay, look, do I still want to keep doing this? Do I really want to keep putting more effort in this? Am I still learning? Do I need to learn more? What do I need to learn to fix it? Until he makes that adjustment, he'll build the, he'll, he will be the gatekeeper. He needs to learn how to wrestle. And, you know, and he needs to work on his cardio. Yeah. Uh, but he needs to learn how to wrestle. That's the biggest thing. Well, I think, I think he has worked on his wrestling. And I think he's worked on his wrestling in the fact of mm -hmm. a guy shooting into his legs, being able to sprawl, making his hips heavy, you know, stonewalling guys. I think he's learned how to do those things. But yeah. those are the types of takedowns now you just, most guys aren't going yeah. to, you know, that's not their go-to takedowns. You're seeing a ton of guys with the foot sweeps. You're seeing guys now using hip tosses and, you know, Tayatosh and Sotagari and Haragosh and all these different types I of I don't know what any of those that, fucking things are you just said, okay? <laughs> well, but all these different types of throws that are there when someone is in a position a little bit off balance, doesn't understand what's coming, and you know, if, as long as you understand what you're doing, they're going to go for a ride. And he, like anyone, you want to continue on in the sport, you you must always be learning. Always. I agree. Uh, Devin Clark versus uh, Woon Jung. You know, it was a good performance by De by Clark. You know, every, he's. Good yeah. wrestler. 
strong. He looks strong. He looks strong lower strong. body, huge legs. You know, and uh, Jung is he? He's a guy. He's tough. He comes after you. I thought that Clark fought smart. He he mitigated what Jung could do throughout the fight, and you know, just systematically, you know, he won rounds. And when you're winning, you know, doing what he did, you win those rounds. You're going to win the fight unless Jung has a big one. Yep. So, I thought uh, uh, Devin Clark actually performed very well. It's it's like sometimes we we watch Devin and it's like he gets run over almost, and it's like damn. You know, I didn't think a guy was going to run him over like that. And then he has this kind of fight. And I go, well, this was go, a dude. tough fight, though, for him. Yeah, you look this really wasn't good. a walkthrough fight. Hell it was yeah. a tough fight for him. He had to work for some positions. Oh, absolutely. Well, he's, he's fighting a yeah. tough dude. Jones, Jones yeah, he good. was good. He was good. Uh, Devin's got to learn when to conserve his energy and when to go hard. He doesn't he hasn't yeah. quite figured that out. And that is a big portion of guys that that ha- to, for them to have success. John Jones, like, knows when I can just. Walk you down and 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 just pick you apart and make and set the pace. And John knows like, okay, I've already established that I'm I'm hitting you hard. I've already established that I can use my push kick. Now I can take a step back and get my breather until I'm ready to attack again. John Jones is that guy who is just he knows when to step back and take his breather. He knows when to dominate the top position and just chill and rest and make you carry his weight. He knows all of those things. Devin Clark needs to focus on on. Working on that in the gym, learning when to pace yourself, learning when to pace, learning when to pick it up, learning when to step back and get your breath, learning when to rest. Never rest in a position that you don't have the dominant control in. So if you can't do that, then don't rest. That's your time to keep working and keep scrambling. So um, I didn't see that in him, and I think that's why he tends to look like he's getting tired and then becomes vulnerable as the fight goes on. It was a good win for him, but it wasn't the most beautiful win, uh, and Jung is very tough. Uh, but overall, yep. it was a good fight. I actually was very, uh, I actually enjoyed the fight. Uh, huh. good. Very the fight that I wasn't too high on was, and I was, I was high on it going into it. Was <laughs> it did not Mar- yeah. uh, Tabura versus uh, Blagoy? I expected more out of Blagoy, to be honest. Um, just wasn't there. You, he also too physically, nope. he looks old. He looks. He moved. He moved yeah. slow. And he just looked, he looked a lot yeah. older in this fight. He just looked like yeah. everything was, it was like it laboring to get it there. It was, uh, uh, and then he did a couple good shots to the body, but then that was about it. I didn't realize how much bigger Tabura is like height wise, <laughs> reach wise, mm-hmm. all of those things. So good on him. Yeah. Choi and Nelson was a, was a pretty good fight, but it ended up being a draw. It, well, got a draw because of a point yeah. deduction, you know, and, uh, do you agree with the point deduction? No. No, Why? I don't care. <laughs> You're I don't care. I thought it was a good fight, though. Do you remember what no. it was for? What's I that? don't remember what it was for. <laughs> no. Because as soon as as soon as the foul kit was committed, I fast forwarded through it. <laughs> so oh, that's yeah, why. No. You know, we didn't have much time to watch. It was a, it was a yeah. headbutt, and he used his head, and you can't do it, man. And it was the right yeah. thing to do. Unfortunately, that's the, that was the reason it ends up being a draw, but you know that's Choi. Choi had a fight that he yep. should have won, that he gave yep. away. Don't no, be stupid. Um, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Okay, we got Fugit. Is that how you say? Is that how you say Adam Fugit versus yeah, Adam Fugit. uh Yasi, Fugit. Yasu, 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 Kinoshita. 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 Okay. Um, what's your thoughts? <laughs> 
dude, you know, again, using uh, ground and pound, use big elbows. I always say, if you get someone in position, don't just sit there and throw punches. Elbows. Mm -hmm. Elbows create problems for referees because elbows you hear. You can actually feel it through the flooring of the octagon or the mm -hmm. cage. You actually feel it if you're the referee. And you see the reaction of the fighter, and they're quicker to stop fights based upon you going towards the elbows than you ever doing punches. Just the truth. I was Adam. I don't even know how you say his last name. Fugit. 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 He took. He just fucking ate up that head kick, though. And it looked yeah. like Kirushita or whatever was gonna be. It looked like he was gonna be dominating this fight when it was on the feet. He yeah. took some shots and delivered big shots. He threw that head kick, rocked Fugit. He ate it. But then when they hit the ground, Kinoshita had no. He had no answer for the grappling. None. No answer at all. And and, and but the, and this is where you look at you know Fugit. You go smart. Yeah. Look at you. You were you were starting to really fall behind in the stand up. Yeah. I mean you you were doing fine in aspects of it. But the better shots were coming from yeah. your opponent. You weren't landing the good shots. Yeah. That and it was just starting to add up. You gotta change you gotta change the momentum. You gotta change the fight up. And that's what he did by taking the ground. Uh, it was obvious that his his skill set there was better than Kinoshita's. So that's the way you're supposed to fight. Put the fight where you're strong and your opponent is weak. All right. Any other fights on here you want to talk about? I actually want to talk about this one more. The Nakamura and Kazama fight. This Nakamura okay. kid, he doesn't give a shit. He just walked down and took shots, delivered shots, very accurate. I never heard of this kid, but I was very impressed. I look for him. I know he's going to have a hard time with guys that can 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 take shots and deliver them back. You know, and yeah. but I got to be honest, John. I was very impressed with the way he was composed. But he put the pressure, that constant pressure. I know it didn't get out of the first round, but he was slipping off line a little bit and landing hard shots. He looked good, looked really good. So I. Yeah, could you imagine him against a guy like Giannis? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I, he's, I think he needs a little bit more of a. He has a little bit of ways to go. Oh, yeah. I mean, but this is. I, I'm encouraged I when I see young young kids like this come up. I, I'm excited when you, when they know they look, I good, I've got power. I've, I've got good stand-up, and uh, let it fly. I don't know how he is on the ground because we didn't see it, but on the feet, no. he was he was very accurate, and he was willing to, th to take a shot to give a shot. So, no. All right, well, that's going to wrap up our uh, UFC, what, 68 is what it was? UFC Fight Night. 68, 68 from the Apex, Apex in Las Vegas. All right. And that John, uh, not John, but Dave, what do you got for us, man? Any news? <clears throat> yeah, let, uh, I know we talked about it a little bit on the live, but let's just get some... Um, you know, we on the podcast we can rift a little bit more. So um, let's get some thoughts on this Chandler McGregor thing, um, especially after Tony had tweeted that he was expecting mm -hmm. to get this tough endeavor, um, and obviously that didn't happen. So what do you guys think about this? One seventy, by the way. Oh, it is one seventy. I'm letting you. It's oh, at yeah. one seventy. Absolutely. Connor's not getting down to 155. And Michael Michael will chase the money. He's, he's a dog like that. He'll chase the money. doesn't matter where yeah. it goes. He'll chase it. Um, yep. You never know, man. You never know. Maybe, maybe Michael will be better one at 170. Hmm. You know, uh, the the weight he cuts a lot of weight. He cuts, cuts a lot, a lot of, weight. of weight. I mean, I've seen. But he does yeah, it well. Yeah, he does. But he does he it does well. his whole life. 
Um, Connor uh, at 170, and we, we we had a chance to catch up with Dustin Poirier, and he talked about he thought Connor would probably be able to take him because Chandler's very hittable, which is very correct. Chandler is hittable, yes. and, and Chandler also likes to get into a dogfight. But at a point, though, with Chandler, I, now everyone knows that I've, I've said he's the dumbest fight IQ fighter in the world. But for this one fight, you think he'll get it together? Man, it, uh, no. I, I would love to think so. Michael has that, for whatever reason, in his mind. It's more important to be exciting than it is to win. And in this fight right here, it's the dumbest idea yeah. ever. Because if you get the win, what does that mean? You probably get a second yeah. one. Which means you can do what Dustin Poirier did when he got the win in the second fight that he and Connor had is, oh, you want me to fight him again? Good. Let's talk about how much we're going to make yep. now. And you put yourself in a position to make great money because Connor brings big money. And if Michael Chandler was smart, he would work on his mm -hmm. wrestling. He would just hone it to a fine edge. And be able to put pressure and look at, take the blueprint that you saw from Habib and use that blueprint to beat Connor and get that win. And then you want to be exciting in the, in the rematch? Go ahead. Yeah. I don't care. But you're talking about retirement money. Well, look, it's a lot for these fighters. I know, I know several other fighters that were offered this deal as well. They were offered to be the coaches there, but they're not. They don't make it very enticing. They don't give cars anymore at the end, and you know. No, but they're they're offering you. Oh, we'll give you fifty grand. Well, it's fifty grand for six weeks worth of work, six to eight weeks worth of filming, and you're away from home. You know, most of these fighters have kids. They go to wife, well, um, and if they've got kids that are in school, you can't bring them with you. So you know, sure you can fly home on the weekend, but I believe you got to fly home on your own dime. Yeah, you do. So. If you're the coach, you're like, man, it's got to work around your what you're looking at, what your life schedule is. And we know that I've known that some of the other guys that were offered like, yeah, it just it wasn't worth it, man. Six weeks away to make 50 grand. And and I can't fly home really on the weekends because there is some filming they want to do. Normally they're at events, whether it's like whether it's like concerts or whether it's, you know, uh, whatever, you know, there's always events in Vegas. So let's just, you know, anything. But it's uh, it's it's a long time to be away. With it didn't matter where Connor, wherever Connor wanted to fight, Chandler was going to follow. If you want to fight at 70, sure. If you want to fight at 85, I'll fight you there too. Chandler's chasing right. the money, which is whatever. I get it. Yes. I understand. Like, you're not going to do this forever. But, but hold on. Hold on. What's no, wrong there's nothing that? wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it. Okay. Nothing. I'm not complaining Let's... about that. No. Okay. Um, I agree with you on he needs to get this win. He needs yep. to get this win because that second fight will be more valuable, way more valuable. Um, yep. But also, too, though, John, what I get nervous about is that if he does win the first fight, is Chandler or not Chandler, but is, is Connor even a draw anymore? I know he'll always be a draw, but is he yes. a draw that's going to draw one million, one point two million? Yeah. In pay per view buys. Yeah. Let's drop four honest. in a row. Okay. Drop three or four People in a row can, now. There's people. There's people that hate Connor. There's people that mm -hmm. love Connor. 
All right. There's people that, you know, they they look at Connor as oh, two two in a row. He's the best in the sport. Sorry, two in a row. They look at him as he is the best in the sport. Now, is he? We 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 both don't know. Okay, but that's what people believe, and so when they see his name up there, and there's a fight that they can watch, and it's got Connor McGregor, that will that will make some of those people tune into that fight. He will always be able to draw money unless he does something so, you know, outlandish. Yes, Johnny has done. He's thrown a fucking truck, <laughs> a, a wheel truck through a bus window. I mean, there was that. Yeah, that's nothing. That's nothing. He's been arrested for. I'm not saying it was a smart yeah. thing, but it's really not a big yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but so he's got, he's got two losses in a row against Dustin. I forgot about the Cerrone fight. I thought there could be within the two Dustin fights, but yeah, he's got the win over uh, Donald. Um. But do you agree with Dustin? Because we interviewed Dustin this week, this weekend, and uh, that's up on our on our channel as well. So if you guys want to check out that interview, but do you agree with him that he's going to lean more towards Connor because Connor, with the timing, with the boxing, and how hittable Michael Chandler is, he's going to lean more that way. Yeah, I agree with him. Based upon knowing how Michael fights and what he's going to, what I believe he's going to do, and then what Connor has. I don't, you know, look. I think Connor has lost a little bit of that that uh, speed and timing that he had. You know, you, you take a look, and Dustin said all the things that I've said before. He goes, "Look, he's longer than people realize." I've said that. He will sit in a range where his opponent doesn't think that he's within range, and Connor will prove, "Yes, you are." He's long. He extends well, and he's always in balance as he does it and his timing is outstanding and when you talk about having good timing that makes you fast you know he's not the the you know you talk about pure speed of hands and things like that there's a lot of guys that have faster hands but it's the timing and the control of the distance that connor has that makes him very difficult and at one time look at when he fought eddie alvarez he was at the pinnacle of his ability to control distance and have impeccable timing. You look at what he did in that fight. It was like, I mean, just picture perfect. It was poetry, you know, and can he, can he bring that back? Yeah, he can. You know, the, the guys that are going to give Connor trouble are guys that step within that range. All right. Guys that Dustin. A guy that will step within that and bring that fight into that boxing range that Connor now can't control that distance where he's not getting hit. He's going to have to take some to give some. Michael Chandler, as a fighter, when you watch him, he's an explosive fighter, but he lunges in. He takes these big movements and his feet move to get him inside then to try to get him outside. He doesn't stay inside. He wants to come in, do damage, and bounce out. And that's not a good idea in fighting Connor. Yeah, I don't want to see how much Connor's going to be able to utilize his kicks also because the way also to, to get uh, Michael Chandler to stop lunging in is to take out his calf. He's got, he, he's got like really lean legs. I don't want to call them chicken legs, but he's got very lean legs. 
and he doesn't absorb he doesn't absorb well, calf kicks very he's got strong yeah, he does, legs but he doesn't absorb he, he doesn't strong. absorb calf kicks very well by water no. calf kicks tend to have a, a lot problem. of fighters have problems with them I, I get that but Shit, you yeah. give him one or two good ones he's not the same fighter anymore he starts switching stance and he's not the same fighter when he switches the stance because he doesn't have a lot of combinations off of that so he's really somebody that he's extremely hittable but he's also extremely beatable if you can figure out that little bit of a recipe right there yeah all right anything else for us there dave yeah let's get uh thoughts here on the sean o'malley deal um he's just saying that a new eight mm-hmm. fight deal and you know you guys um have talked a bit about fighters shouldn't be signing those you know more than those four fight deals um yeah. sean o'malley comes out says um, he signed an eight fight deal. Here's here's his quote: Even if I fight Al, uh, Aljo next, I don't get pay per view points. That was something I talked about in the negotiations. I tried to get it, pay per view points, not being the champ, but it didn't fly. But I will say I did re-sign with the UFC, a very gracious contract that I'm proud of. I offered, uh, I offered that. I asked for this. They said no. They uh, they said yes. I said well. <laughs> They said, ha, oh, yeah. stuff. I'm very happy with it, and I truly don't think any manager that I could have I could have could have went in there and got me what I got. Well, even if you did give it you what you thought maybe would have been more, it would only cover their percentage. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, if you, t- if you get a manager, right, and you go in there, you're only going to get a little bit more, and it barely covers their percentage. So there's no point of having a manager if you're going to work for, if you're going to fight for the UFC. I'm strong on that deal. I'm strong on that stance. Now, the benefit of having a manager... So you don't, actually, you don't actually have to have a bad relationship with Dana White. Let your manager have one. <laughs> that's that's the benefit <laughs> of having a like because you are fighters just like most athletes when they represent themselves. Lamar Jackson's going through it right now with the Baltimore Ravens. Very hard to repre- represent yeah, because yourself. you honestly believe that you are worth a lot more. And it re- and when someone not, tells you you're not, your feelings get hurt. It, it yeah, hurts. Your feelings get hurt. Yeah. But you also, I, I've I've done a lot of my own negotiations. Um, through Bob Cook and I, we've talked, but like in terms of this is what I want and you just come back and tell me what they're willing to go and then we'll meet in the middle. I've never out tried to out punt the coverage and just be like, you know what? I want this. I'm fighting for this. I'm, I, I never, de- you never develop strong relationships with your promoter, um, by doing that. That's why, that's why I think now I still work for Bellator. That's why I still work with Scott Coker is because we had such a good relationship. When I came from the UFC to Bellator. My my negotiations were very simple. Tell me what you're willing to pay you, pay me. Okay. Well, I want this, this, and this. Then, okay. Well, I can do that. All right. Well, then let's go. Like that's the great thing about negotiating. Like with Chris Cyborg, when she originally negotiated her first contract with, she, you know, she came back with a really astronomical um, astronomical amount of money number that she wanted, number. and yeah. and Kroger came back and said, "Look, this is what I'm willing to do. Take it or leave it." I'm not, I'm not going to, you give me anything higher than this. We can tweak it here and there. Like, it's not just always about the money. It's about, Hey, I can get you a monster sponsorship or Hey, I can get you a, this sponsorship. I can add these on there as well. As long as you're my champion or as long as you're doing my press stuff or, you know, and I can get you appearances in some certain places and get you paid on those as well. So there's ways to sweeten the pot without, without it always being included into your fight purse. So there's other avenues, That's you know, right. Sean's talking about, oh, I didn't get the pay-per-view points because I'm not the champion. I get it. I understand. But then they can also say, yeah, but you know what? We've got Monster. We've got this new Prime thing. Uh, 
energy drink. No, sorry, hydration drink. Yeah, that I mean, one's not going to go that's over. Gonna play real out here pretty soon. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. <laughs> Take a look yeah. at that one. I'm like, I wouldn't be. Mm, I wouldn't I, be surprised if Monster sues them in their contract. Oh yeah. I, I well, I, I, something's going to happen because there. And here's the problem. Yeah, I look at that. You know, okay, look. Right. Monster is a very big company mm-hmm. with a lot of smart people that are their mm-hmm. lawyers and stuff. They're never going to sign a contract that allows the UFC to have another energy drink. No, I agree. They- now they can have another drink, but not an energy drink. Mm-hmm. Now that Prime, there's two different oh. varieties of it. Yep. A hydration mm-hmm. and an mm-hmm. energy. And I'm like, who didn't look at this? Who's the one that decided to do this without actually taking a look at this and going, eh, this might not be a good idea. We, we, we might not be able to do this. It's like, well, that's not a good one. But Dave, look up, look up the net worth of Monster Energy Drink. Oh, man. I want to say it's about 100. A was it, was it, what is it worth? Probably about 80 billion. Oh, 80 billion? No. no. 53 billion. Fifty-three yeah, the US, billion. The UFC is four billion. You guys, <laughs> go ahead <laughs> and let's see that. whose lawyers have a bigger pissing. Let's say it's five yeah, billion. Let's, now. let's see whose lawyers are have bigger pissing pot. Let's let's see who gets who wins this yeah. pissing contest. I'm gonna be honest. Like this, as soon as that deal was signed, I go, is, is Monster out? Like, what's going on? Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what I thought. No, we had some conversation. That's yeah. exactly what I thought. Fifty-four point two four seven billion. Let's be honest. Jesus. The UFC would like to do this in reverse mm-hmm. too, where They'll sign the deal with Monster, we'll say, and say, look, you cannot uh, basically sponsor any other mixed martial arts. They've Con- tried, John. Any other mixed martial arts promotions. I know they tried. And Monster said, you're not telling us what we're doing. You want you want, you want, want to do a deal? We'll do deals yeah. with who we want. We want to do a deal with you. And the UFC said, okay, we, we're not going to get no, it. Because that. Monster is out to sponsor extreme sports. And man yes. is considered an extreme sport. Now I know they sponsor other events and other shows and other whatever things that are not extreme sports. But that sure. they're like, no, we're sponsoring the sport of MMA. That's why I love that's why I love Monster for. That they're they're out there sponsoring all the events they possibly can that have to do with MMA, not just the UFC. There you go, buddy. There you go. What? And so um it's just one of those things, man. It's uh, it's it's a weird vibe that I'm getting when when you start seeing that. Like Dana's just doing whatever the fuck he wants right now. Let, I mean, I don't think this deal would have went through had Lorenzo or Frank been around. They would have been like, eh, let's not piss off. Let's keep the peace right now. Let's yeah, keep the peace right idea. now. Maybe I'm wrong. But let, but let, getting back on Sean O'Malley, mm-hmm. look, as long as Sean O'Malley's happy with his contract, great. The one thing that I would suggest to most fighters, and there's no reason for the eight-fight contract. Yeah. Guys, you're, you're, you're not... You're not looking at this in a logical mm-hmm. fashion because if you are doing well, yeah. the eight fight contract doesn't mean anything. And eventually somewhere, if you're doing well after four fights, that eight fight contract that you have, you're not going to be happy with those last four fights. Nope. Now you're going to want more where if you did a four fight deal and you win, you know, sometimes you got to bet on yourself. Yeah. But you're you're gonna end up with more doing that four fight deal because it, it's not about security because they can cut you at any time. 
All right. That is, it's a, it's a one, it's, it's a closed end where, you know, you can't get rid of them, but they can get rid of you. And so I understand being happy with, you know, the deal. I'm, I'm glad he's happy with the numbers, but for other fighters, if you're looking at it, the eight fights, I think you're better off four, maybe six at the most. When you go into those eight and tens, I think you're going too far because eventually down the road, if you're winning, you're gonna you're gonna look at what you're making in that fifth, sixth, seventh fight, and you're gonna be going, I'm not happy with it, and you're gonna want to renegotiate. When it's hey, it's on you. You're the one that decided to sign that eight fight. You you should fight and it out. The, when I came over from Strike Force, they tried to sign me to an eight fight deal. I told I told them yeah. abs- I, told I don't them blame them. It's it's smart yeah, move so for. I said them. absolutely not. We'll do four. And they were like, oh, well, you know, and they hummed and hawed. And I was like, well, then I'll just not come. Like, I'm fine with not going. I was on my last fight of my contract. So I was like, I'm good. I'll, and they're like, no, no, we were trying to re-up you. We want to pay you more. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to do eight fights. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, oh, I'll just figure it out. Um, there's no reason for the eight fight deal, John. I agree with you. Now, yeah. you see it all the time in, in other sports where – these guys sign like a 10 year deal, like Patrick Mahomes signed a 10 year deal, you know, certain, that's different. It, it is different, but it isn't different because in, in five years, the, the value of him, if he wins another Super Bowl or two, it's going to be higher than it was. It's going to be higher than it was. And also too, they were always raised, they raised the salary cap every, every two or three years. They raised the salary cap. Yeah. But see, I understand this in that when Patrick Mahomes is signing that he's got a, there's a certain part of it that is a guarantee. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand that. Now, not the whole no. thing, but there's a, there's a part of it. And even if he gets hurt, he's getting that money. If you don't fight the fight, you're not getting well, the see, money. There's, you're right. If you don't fight the fight, you're not getting the money. But there have been fighters that have been able to negotiate it. Maybe he should. I don't know if he did or not. Was able to negotiate a no cut clause. Gilbert Melendez, when he went over to when he went yes. over to the UFC, he signed a ten fight deal, but they couldn't cut him until after eight fights. That's a, I mean, like, there's no cut clause. I want to make sure that I'm guaranteed all, this amount of money. And he was happy with yeah. that contract. And so he went. He went over there. I mean, he had he had eight fights there, and then, then they were able to release him or cut him whenever they wanted to after that. So, But it's after the eight fights is what I believe it was. And he got paid He got paid pretty good money for those fights. Good for him. But that's a long time, man. Not a lot of fighters have that negotiation or that power to negotiate a no cut clause. Well, that's Sean does. You all... But you also have to understand the way that Gilbert Melendez got that yeah. was he signed a, a not a deal, but he got an offer from mm-hmm. Bellator and there was a no cut in that. So they had to Man. they had to say, well, we'll match that. And that's where he got it. Can you imagine, though, we would have seen Michael Chandler, Will Brooks, Gilbert Melendez. We would have seen those fights had he went over there. Been great. been great, man. I'd love to have seen that. I would love to have seen that. Because I mean, him and because Ch- Gilbert and Chandler, uh, not Gilbert. Uh, yeah, Gilbert and Chandler would have been a great fight. Brooks, Gilbert and Chandler would have been a yeah. great fight. The two of them, the yeah. the wrestling takedown defense, the the boxing, the combinations back together, that would have been a great fight, man. Awesome. All right, well, hey, well, I want to thank you guys so much for uh, listening to us, supporting us. And make sure you guys hit that subscribe button, hit the thumbs up and the and the notification bell because we drop shows all the time. Look, we're doing another one right now after we just did one yesterday. And we did Hello. a bunch of interviews throughout the How week. Many? So go back. I said 15, which was a big fucking lie. But it was somewhere around like five <laughs> or six. But 
Uh, I've, I've been known to exaggerate a little bit. At least that's what the ladies say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my man. Well, hey, man, go to WayneAndMerch.com. Pick up some of our apparel there. Got some new designs that are up there and uh, hoodies and all the other types of sweat shirts, sweatshirts that we have available. So check it all out. And hats are on full display on the new website. So WayneAndMerch.com. Hit that subscribe button, guys. Thank you guys so much. And Big John, take us away. Hey, tune in Tuesday because the punk and I will be getting after the upcoming pay-per-view fight between this guy named Islam Makhachev mm. against Alexander Volkanovsky, the man, the myth, the legend, the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world. Soon to be Islam. <laughs> and we're we're going to talk about that. Does yes, he go sir. out of three rounds? I don't, don't answer so. till Tuesday. I think, I think Dave, it, don't. I'm, 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 I'm screwing this fucking dog here. You shut that. You shut the fuck up. He's and trying hold the to tail screw up. the pooch. You just sit there and hold the tail up, buddy. I'm doing this. Okay. <laughs> does it go out of three rounds, John? Does it go past yeah. three rounds? Does Does it hit the championship yeah. rounds? Okay. I don't think so. The next thing is, did you see his interview with uh, Daniel, him and Vulcan and uh, Islam? And Islam, Islam no, has some of the greatest lines. People need to learn to appreciate his sense of humor. He's like, brother, Australia, they don't have wrestling. It's like they don't even have wrestling. And then, and then Volk says that he's, he was on the national team for wrestling. He's like, what, what wrestling is Australia? Australia has no wrestling. He's just so great, man. So great. Well, I love it. It, it, you know what? It's it's nice that at least that uh, you know who Islam is because there's this guy named Dana that forgot Jesus his name. <laughs> Did you see that one? I. It's like you you forgot the name of your champion. Okay, not only, not only your Got champion, it. but your number two pound for pound guy. Yeah, well, <sighs> that that was funny. But well, he's got like he's fifty three. Did you say there's he's fifty three? I said he's got a whole new power slap roster to remember now, so you just gotta give cut him some slack. <laughs> yeah, that that power slap. Okay. Well, for everyone out there, thank you for tuning in. We hope you have enjoyed all the stuff that we put out during Bellator 290, all the the interviews and everything. Go check them out if you haven't, and we will see you.